Hey, good afternoon and welcome to SWAT Radio. This is Doug McCary of His Light Ministries, and I am so glad you joined us today, this Thursday, October 8th. Hard to believe it's October already, and uh, I'm really excited about our guest Thursdays. If you're just tuning in for the first time, SWAT stands for Spiritual Warriors Advancing Truth. It's our desire to get the Word of God, the truth of God out there in a practical and relevant way and so we're on every day from three to four and if uh, you're on the radio listening and you want to transition out you can go to swatradio.com to uh, pick us up and just hit stream live there today's guest day and i'm excited we have dr wayne grudem from phoenix arizona joining us today by phone and dr grudem has been a he's been one of those uh <laughs> He's been one of those uh, away mentors for me through books. I have a lot of old dead guy mentors that I read their books. Well, he's an alive guy mentor through his books. Uh, He wrote a book called Systematic Theology that many, many people have been ministered to by. Another book called Politics in the Bible. And I'm really excited. Dr. Grudem, welcome to SWAT Radio. Thank you, Doug. I'm glad I'm not an old dead guy yet. (laughs) I'm glad you're not either because you're still putting out good stuff and uh i am just so grateful because there's just so many things that you have uh been used by god to help contribute whether it's the council on biblical manhood and womanhood which in the esv study bible all these things that you've been able to be a part of and god's given you a rich educational history i mean I, i was looking at your background, you were got a BA in economics from Harvard. That's not even easy to go through. Uh, and then you went to Westminster Theological Seminary, and uh, then you went to Cambridge just for a little more punishment over there in New Testament studies. And so uh, that, that's that's quite the the road there educationally. Uh, were you when you were growing up as a, a young man? Did you always have a, a love for education? Well, I think um, the Apostle Paul says in First Corinthians, "What do you have that you did not receive?" Mm. And uh, what one thing God gave me was a, a mind that was able to learn and understand things and remember things quickly, mm. and and and, uh, and also a mind to articulate it. So you you articulate it well too. Well, I <laughs> I know that uh, one of the things that you you've caught some flack lately from uh, different people in the evangelical community. Uh, I, I've read some of the back and forth a lot. Right now, everybody's catching flack over just about everything in 2020. It seems like we're very yeah. divided. But specifically, they, there was an election chart you put together back in 2012 where you contrasted parties. Now, this is eight years later. D- is that chart still relevant to where we are is it more relevant uh because i want to tell people how they can get that chart but i'd like for you to comment it because i thought it was very helpful back then well i got it out this morning in preparation for our conversation doug and read through it just again this morning and i was amazed at how similar the issues are today to what they were uh in 2012 in the 2012 election um 
So yes, it's still relevant. People can get that chart. It's called Moral and Spiritual Issues in the 2012 Election. But we could just as well call it Moral and Spiritual Issues in the 2020 Election. And I lay out a liberal view, or what I call Party A, and a conservative view, or Party B. And um, people can choose which side they want to uh, have represent them in the presidency, in the Senate, in the House of Representatives, and in local and state elections. But I think the conservative view is much more consistent with Scripture. Um, they can find that at my website, WayneGrudem.com, under political articles. WayneGrudem, G-R-U-D-E-M, dot com. Yeah, that's www.waynegrudem, G-R-U-D-E-M dot com. Well, one of the things that I appreciated uh, about what you did is you're you... in Florida. I, okay. I, I should say it, it's not Gruden. Oh. N on the end, which is a more famous name in Florida. Yeah, it's, it's Grudem. Yeah, yeah, from uh, yeah, down. M on the end. It's, it's, Norwegian, <laughs> yeah, not... it's Norwegian rather than German. Yeah, it's not Coach Gruden, right? It's Grudem. Right. Yeah, I got you. Uh, well, one of the things I appreciated was in the middle between the, the liberal view Party A and the conservative view Party B, you have lots of scriptural repre- uh, you know, references right. there that people can go to as well as court cases people can go to. And, right. and it's not just about uh, abortion or, 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 or the life of an unborn child. It's everything from same sex marriage issues to the constitution, how we view those. And you've kind of always had a, an interest in politics that that's unusual for somebody with a theological bent, because a lot of Christians kind of write that off. In fact, I know Christians that have said, you know what, we don't the, the elections aren't that important for us because Jesus is our king and that's what really matters. And I know you would affirm that, but why why should Christians vote first of all? Well, Doug, um there are many passages in the Bible I've been reading in Kings and Chronicles lately about good and evil kings. And Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes talk about rulers and kings. The word king or kings occurs 112 times in Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes by themselves. So the Bible teaches about good government or bad government. Romans 13 does that in the New Testament, 1 Peter 2, 1 Timothy 2. So God wants us to uh, be aware that he is interested in the kind of government that people have. Now, in the ancient world, uh, the king was given responsibility to rule, and God held him accountable. And you get this refrain again and again. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, or he did what was good in the sight of the Lord. Good or evil kings. Now, we don't live in a country with a king. We don't have a monarchy. We have a democracy. And that means, I would say this this to every Christian, every person listening, God has entrusted you with a tiny slice of the authority to rule over the nation. And that is through your voting. And um, I just thought of an example. Let's say, let's say that President Trump is reelected, and then four years from now, Mike Pence is elected president. Just for a minute, we assume this, and he's a committed evangelical Christian. What would we think of him if, when he got in office, he said, "Well, I'm not going to worry about any laws or policies. I'm just going to evangelize people and talk about the Bible and talk about Jesus. I'm not going to." carry out my governing office as president, we would say he's shirking his responsibility and he's not doing what is right in the sight of the Lord. But that, in a tiny way, is what Christians 
are doing when they don't vote or they vote for Jesus or vote for a third-party candidate or their husband or wife, something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So they're, they're not really influencing the election, and the ability to vote is the ability to influence the outcome of an election. Whether your candidate wins or loses, your vote determines the margin of victory or the margin of loss, which has implications going forward for the political future of the country. So you, you're not a king with absolute authority, but you're a member of a democracy with um, ability to have a part in ruling over the nation, and you need to use it responsibly. Would, would you say that even principally, I know um, expositionally not, but principally, even what God told Ezekiel, that there's a responsibility there for you to tell people to do what your part is. It's not your responsibility, the outcome, but we have a responsibility to vote, right? I mean, I, 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 I've used that, and I don't, I don't think that's too far of a stretch. Yeah, uh, Doug, I would affirm the general principle here, and that is um, I want to be able to look back on this election, and I'm, I'm voting for President Trump and Vice, Vice President Pence, whether they win or lose, I want to look back on this election time and say, God, I was faithful. I did what you asked me to do during this election season. That's why I'm talking to you on talk radio right now, Doug, and that's why I've written some things. But at the very minimum, Christians have to vote so that they can look back and say, I did my part. Well, you know, in Florida, Florida is considered a, a, a swing state. I mean, it's, a, right. it's, it's an important state in the election process. And one of the things that's come up recently is there are this new pro-life evangelicals for Biden, which is is really it's I a talk, contradiction. In, <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I talked about more on a contradiction in terms. Yeah, I was just going to ask you if you'd heard about it, and and if these this group there's there's quite a few people joining it, and and I want to read their statement to you and get you to respond to it. We got about right. two two minutes, okay. As pro-life evangelicals, we disagree with Vice President Biden and the Democratic platform on the issue of abortion, but we believe a biblically shaped commitment to the sanctity of human life compels us to a consistent ethic of life that affirms the sanctity of life from beginning to end. That's their statement. <laughs> what, how do you respond to that? Um, it comes out of a pacifist tradition in the Christian world, with especially Ron Sider and Jim Wallace, mm -hmm. this whole life ethic, it's the idea that you have to protect life, therefore it's wrong to have capital punishment, it's wrong to participate as a soldier in battle and combat in war, mm -hmm. um, and there are other implications of it. You have to um, uh, have more government aid to the poor because that's uh, important to life. Um, so it is deceptive because it's redefining the pro-life statement is in political discourse today normally applied solely to the question of abortion. But if they hijack that phrase, pro-life, and make it uh, apply to pacifist and anti-capital punishment and probably anti-gun legislation, uh, then they're changing the meaning of the term and changing the debate. Yeah, misleading. Well well, I would like to, when we come back from this first break, I'd like to kind of get into your book, Politics in the Bible, and, and the Second Amendment as well from a biblical standpoint. Hey, you're listening to SWAT Radio. We're going to be right back after this break with Dr. Wayne Grudem. Stay tuned. 
If you'd like to contact SWAT Radio, the toll-free number is 1-844-777-7928. That's 844-777-7928 or 844-777-SWAT. You can also listen to this program through the WTRJ The Truth app from the App Store or over the Internet by accessing www.swatradio.com. We'll be back shortly for further discussion and to take your calls. Highway to Eternity Ministries is a ministry dedicated to encouraging those who have lost hope and coming alongside those who cannot find peace and are considered unfit for inclusion in Christ's church. They use published works to teach God's Word and share encouraging testimonies of transformed lives. Highway to Eternity Ministries serves as a parachurch ministry that comes alongside churches to share its passion and commitment through spiritual writings, nuances, and experiences to everyone who has an interest in the teachings of Jesus Christ. For more information, contact Jeff Andrews at 904-436-5175. Welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary with Dr. Wayne Grudem. And we're talking about um, a lot of issues. Uh, the election, we're talking about uh, a Christian's influence in election. And we, we were talking about um, how some evangelicals are trying to start a movement to vote with Biden. And, and just to go back and reiterate, you said that's almost oxymoronic, didn't you? I believe Dr. Uh, Gruden. Uh, I did. Okay. That's what I thought, because I agree um, to, to say that. And I, I want to go to your book, Politics in the Bible, which I think is an excellent uh, book on, you, I think you address something like 50 or 60 issues that are related to politics or government in there from a biblical right. perspective and it, it was just really good for me being a former marine and fbi agent and one question i'd have for you uh, with a lot of pastors experiencing this wokeness and being sucked into the social justice movement and and anti-government in some ways and pro-government and others how, how would you counsel pastors and christian leaders to kind of engage their their people with the truths that apply to politics without seeming like they're running for office. <laughs> okay, Doug, uh, a couple of questions up in the air here. First, I want to come back, if I could, to this 
question of Christians who say, I'm going to vote for a third-party candidate or I'm not going to vote. Yes, sir. I would recall to their memory the fact that George W. Bush won the presidency by 537 votes in Florida in, uh, when he, in his first term. Mm-hmm. Now there are over 5,600 voting precincts in Florida. Mm-hmm. So less than one vote every precinct made the difference in the presidency we got Bush instead of Gore. And so people who say my vote doesn't count, if one person in ten precincts says that, that would have made the that would have made the difference in the election, and we would have had President Gore. Mm. Especially relevant in Florida. Yeah, yeah, Florida. Florida is like I said, it's a key state, and so I, I, that's a very important point. Every vote counts, and as believers, to say you know why should I vote uh, because you're not happy with the candidate or either candidate does it, it, it could you address that just a little bit how we've kind of gone from a platform view to a personality view and and how biblically we should deal with that issue specifically right well what's happened doug is over the past several years the liberal political wing in our country has less and less wanted to debate issues where they lose again and again because their issues their policies are not helpful for, but destructive for the United States. And they've changed to addressing the, criticizing the person. Instead of saying, I disagree with your conservative political views, they say, basically, you're a bad person. And um, so that, of course, with President Trump and his brashness and his tendency to insult people and his tendency to exaggerate at times and and his marital infidelity in the past, uh, he is open for more misrepresentation than is actually the case. And I've criticized those areas where he uh, has behavior that is not appropriate, not not consistent with biblical standards. But they've magnified that to the point where they're attacking Donald Trump's character almost exclusively. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we need to focus back on what what the person is doing, what the character, what the uh, actions have done. And so then the question is, can we vote for a candidate who's not perfect? Well, hello. Um, we have to always vote for candidates who are not perfect because there's no sinless human being on earth. Mm-hmm. The question is, do the character deficiencies in a candidate so disqual- are they so egregious that they disqualify the person absolutely from holding public office? And I don't think that's the case with President Trump at all. In addition to that, the policies are so remarkably different, massively different. I think I have 24 or 25 differences on that chart, moral and spiritual issues in the 2012 election, at my website, waynegrudem.com. But um, people can look at that or another... Uh, article that I have on my website is called Letter to an Anti-Trump Christian Friend, where I'm reasoning with a a friend who wrote me a very thoughtful but very pointed letter. He was angry with me for supporting Trump. How can I do that as a Christian? And I tried to explain to him graciously, and I'm thankful we still have a very good relationship, why I thought it was important for the nation to choose the candidate who will do, do the best good for the nation. The, the only, there are only two possible outcomes of the election on November 3rd. We will get Joe Biden and his harmful, I think, policies 
and 4,000 people appointed by the president, President Biden, if that's if he wins. Or we have President Trump and his policies that are good for the nation, and 4,000 conservative people appointed to government positions by the president. There are whole packages. You have to choose either Biden package or Trump package. There are no other choices of how it's going to turn out. So the question is, which do you think is best for the nation? It's not evil to vote for an imperfect candidate. I think it would be wrong for me to tell a lie about a candidate or stuff ballot boxes or steal ballots. That would be to sin and to break the law. But it's not wrong for me to vote for an imperfect candidate. That's not doing evil. That's doing good for the nation. Hmm. That's, a, that's a good word. Uh, you know, I, I want to ask you a question about you, – you've been – a professor of theology for quite a while. Your book, Systematic Theology, is taught at most seminaries. And what do you think is the state of theology in the American church today, generally? I mean, just the general. <laughs> I, I, I know that's, that's that's a broad question. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to give you my all-purpose answer to that question. Yeah. I don't know. Nah. Yeah. That is, I don't know the state of churches generally. I get impressions from what I read online and when I visit different states or talk to people in area, different areas of the country, but the, the, I can make some general observations. I guess one thing that encourages me is, if I, I've said this, if you take a map of the United States and throw a dart at the map, wherever it lands, you and I could go to that town or that city and there'd be a Bible-believing church, almost without exception in the whole whole United States, a church where pastors preaching verse by verse out of the Bible and people are in in their seats taking notes and listening carefully. And that's very encouraging. It hasn't always been that way. When I was younger, it wasn't always that way. The other thing, the, um, the Professional Society for Teachers in Colleges and Seminaries who Teach Theology and Biblical Studies it's called the Evangelical Theological Society. In 1986, I remember we had 325 people at our annual meeting. Uh, this past year, we had, uh, I think, 2,500, mm. which means that evangelical professors have multiplied uh, massively over the last uh, 30, 35 years. So I'm encouraged by that. Um, more Christian books being put out in the United States than uh, any language, any any country in the history of the world. Solid, biblical, biblically faithful books. So there are good things happening. Well, I, I just, I know that, um, I remember A.W. Tozier said that the most important thing about a man is what that man thinks about God, and that is theology. That is the, the mm-hmm. study of that, and I, I've never forgotten that, and I know on your website, WayneGrudem.com, you, you actually recently wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, an article called Permission for Pastors to Preach About Politics. A lot of pastors right. have shied away from that, and I just right. I, I, I want to ask you about that real quick. What prompted that, and what kind of response have you gotten to it? Well, um, uh, some pastors that I know of, emailed me and said they appreciate it very much. Um, What I did, Doug, was I looked at the Old Testament and the New Testament, and were there any examples where God had his people have positive influence on secular government, not the government of Israel, but secular government, not the government of the church, but 
just secular government. And I found about a lot of examples. Joseph in Genesis 41 was second to Pharaoh in command over all of Egypt. Daniel was a high advisor to King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, Nehemiah was a high advisor to uh, the king of Persia. And then um, Esther had a great influence on King Ahasuerus. And uh, Mordecai, her relative, was second in command over all of Persia. And Jeremiah says to the Jewish exiles in Babylon, um, seek the welfare or the well-being of the city where God has sent you into exile for in its, and pray for to the Lord on its behalf. Pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare. You will find your welfare. And we similarly are exiles uh, from our homeland in heaven, but I think God similarly wants us to seek the good and the well-being of the government and the society in which we live. I would also say to pastors, your responsibility is to preach and teach everything that the Bible teaches, what Paul calls the whole counsel of God in Acts 20:27. I want to come to the end of my life and have be able to say to the students that I taught, I didn't just teach easy things to you. I taught the unpopular things as well. I'm like Paul. I didn't shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. And what I'm going to say to a pastor is, Romans 13 talks about government. First Peter 2 talks about government. First Timothy 2 talks about government. Uh, Proverbs and, and Psalms talk about government. When are you going to teach your people about those things that the Bible says? That's part of the whole counsel of God. What better time to teach them than during an election season when everybody is thinking about government and its responsibility and how it should function? Yeah, that, it's really great. Well, we're about to go to our, our news break on the half hour that article, again, is at waynegrudem.com. I think if you're a pastor, leader, even if you're not, print it out, give it to your pastor, help, just share it with him and say, hey, this was very helpful. I, I think it might be interesting to look at. He also has books on his website. I couldn't recommend more the book on systematic theology uh, and the book Politics in the Bible. And when we come back, I want to ask you if there's a difference between politics and the Bible and the new book on Christian ethics, as you talk about that, Dr. Grudem, okay? Okay. All right, so we're going to go to this break. We'll be right back. You're listening to SWAT Radio. If you want to listen to this program, you want to share it, you can go to SWATradio.com. It should be posted within a couple of hours, and you can get the link and send it to your friends. I hope you will, especially if they live in a swing state like our state. We're going to be right back on SWAT Radio. Freedom here, my freedom here. I breathe the air of 
Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. It's Doug McCary of His Light Ministries with Dr. Wayne Grudem. I want to give you his website again. It's Wayne Grudem, G-R-U-D-E-M.com. And there are articles on there. You can get books. Uh, probably my two favorite books are The Politics in the Bible book because it's just so practical and being a Marine and a and a former law enforcement guy. I love one of the things I always get asked a lot of times, Dr. Grudem, is how can you sh- take a life? I mean, how could you be willing to take a life as a believer? How could you serve in the military? How could you serve? And I always kind of knew internally that in Romans 13, but I, I, you do such a good job in there of helping articulate it. And you recently came out with a new book or, or, on, or you wrote another book on ethics I haven't read that yet. Uh, is that different than politics in the Bible? Do you take a, or do you, is that just a, a more concise <laughs> um, view? Because politics in the Bible is pretty big. It's, well, the Christian ethics book is about a thousand pages different. Oh, my. <laughs> there's, there's, there's some overlap, but um, uh I've got material on how to know God's will, how to use the Old Testament in ethical guidance, no no graven images or carved images, no other gods, purity of speech, uh, question of Sabbath or Sunday, question of authority of parents, leadership in marriage. Those aren't political issues. Those are personal moral issues. And then there's some overlap. I've got chapters on uh, capital punishment and war and self-defense, abortion, euthanasia, um, pornography, divorce, um, wealth and poverty. So it's a mixture. It's, the Christian Ethics book is just, I, I call it the subtitle that I, I wanted for it, and I think we'll put it on the second edition, How to Live a Life Pleasing to God. Mm. That's what Christian Ethics is about. Mm. That's what Paul said, a life worthy of the Lord, right? That's what he said. Uh, exactly. Yeah, live a life worthy. Well, I... Politics in the Bible, when, well, I, I asked you earlier uh, specifically about that book. You know, people make a big deal about the Second Amendment, and I, I don't want to spend a large time of this segment on it, but I do. I would like you briefly, because uh, you do talk about it in there, and I think it's a very good article. Could you summarize uh, the, the biblical position? Because people say, why should Christians own any guns to defend anything? I mean, like, is that really Christian? to do that. Could you speak to that just for a second? Yes, I think many people have heard the story about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was arrested by the Roman soldiers, and Peter took out his sword and swung at one of the high priest's servants and cut off his ear. I think the man ducked, and (laughs) Peter's sword just cut his ear off, and Jesus told him to put his sword away. But the point I want to make there is Jesus' disciples had been with him for three years, and they were carrying swords. Mm-hmm. Swords were used for self-defense against robbers or violent people. And Jesus didn't have them get rid of them, but he uh, he said, put your sword away. But um, I think that's very significant in terms of carrying weapons for self-defense. Mm-hmm. That's a short answer. No, that's, well, no, that's, that, that's, that's good. Well, I, w- I want to go back to the, the chart that I mentioned it's from your article back in uh, actually 2012 on on the charts 
and specifically right. dealing with some of these issues. You list like 24 issues that yeah. that are different between the one platform, uh, you'll say A, and the B platform. And I want to ask you about the same-sex LGBTQ. It appears in our culture that a lot of woke churches or churches are compromising on what biblical values are to uh, accommodate people. And, uh, and, the, and so you're being seen as unloving. And so a lot of Christians are caught not knowing what to do. How did they respond? And I was so appreciate their counsel on biblical manhood and womanhood doing the Nashville statement about those issues. Right. And talk just a little bit about why that's important when we vote, when we go into the election booth. Well, <clears throat> the um, differences between the Democrats and the Republicans in this election and many previous elections often have to do at root with whether human sexual activity should be regulated by God's teachings in the Bible and we're uh, accountable to him, or whether human beings should have complete freedom to do whatever they want in terms of sexual activity. The Bible is clear in a number of passages that sexual intercourse should only occur between a man and a woman who are married to each other. And um, that's part of what the Bible teaches, and I don't. I, I think most evangelical churches have remained faithful to that teaching because it's so explicit. And uh, we have to love uh, people who uh, are living outside of the scope of God's, of obedience to God's command. We have to love them and care for them and offer forgiveness in Christ, but we cannot approve or condone their behavior. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, that leads me to the related question of the Supreme Court, if I could say something about that. I was going there next. That was the next on the agenda with coming up with the, okay. the vote. How, what do you... Uh, you know, because people are saying, well, we shouldn't. It's not right for us not to support that. We should call our congressman. How, how do you speak to that for a second? Okay. Well, um, I'm going to back up just a little bit and say the United States Constitution is, in my opinion, the best human description of the nature of civil government ever put together in the history of the human race. And its essence is it doesn't allow any one group to get power and ultimately one person to become a dictator or a tyrant or an autocratic ruler or a totalitarian ruler. What has protected Why? How, how has the Constitution protected us from tyrants and dictators? Well, the essence of it is called separation of powers. So, Doug, you were in law enforcement as an FBI agent. Um, and you understand this uh, from first-hand experience, but law enforcement is divided in between the national level with the FBI and state and local level with state police and troopers and uh, local police in cities. No one can take over. In some countries, if you take over the military, you've taken over the country because they have all the force. Hmm. You can't do that in the United States because the military is, not allowed to operate except in very extreme emergencies within the territory of the United States. That's up to local police. Someone takes over the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the United States military. He doesn't govern the country. He has no authority because there's a separation of powers. And then at the national level, the, the Congress makes the laws, the president enforces the laws, and the executive branch 
So the legislative branch makes the laws, the executive branch enforces them, and the judicial branch, the judges, including the Supreme Court and lower courts, they are not to make laws. They have no uh, authority to make laws at all. That is the um, Constitution preventing any one group of people from getting absolute control over the nation. But a few decades ago, liberals found out, they discovered that they could get enough Supreme Court justices to say that something was in the Constitution when it wasn't, but there was no way in our political system to uh, have a way to correct that uh, while those justices were on the court because they have lifetime appointments and there's no way to appeal anything that the Supreme Court decides. So in 1973, a majority of Supreme Court justices said the 14th Amendment provides a right to abortion and for... Um, there were some details about it, but it resulted with the, the corresponding decision essentially in having abortion rights up to the moment of, up to the ninth month of pregnancy and the moment of birth. Now, that is not in the Constitution. The 14th Amendment, which they appealed to, the phrase they appealed to was, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And that due process of law was the phrase they appealed to to say, ah, here's the right to abortion. We found it in the shadows and the penumbras of that expression. Well, it's a horrible decision. It's saying that abortion is there, the right to abortion is there, where it isn't. It isn't anything, there isn't anything in the text about abortion. But there was nothing the American people could do about it from 1973 onward. And so uh, now later... Under President Obama's administration, there were court cases, and it came to the Supreme Court. This Obergefell versus Hodges, the question of same-sex marriage. Once again, the liberal judges, by a five-to-four majority, said, "Look, look, Fourteenth Amendment: No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law." There's a right to same-sex marriage here, mm-hmm. and um, it's not there, but they made it up. And now there's no recourse in the American political system. While those justices were on the Supreme Court, there's no way to change it. Except people began to realize, conservatives began to realize, if we can get different justices on the Supreme Court who will not make new laws from the bench, but will just interpret and apply the laws that are already there and the Constitution that is already there, then uh, we can get back to laws being made by the people through their representatives, not by unelected judges. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happened with President Trump's appointments of Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, and now um, uh, Judge Barrett. Yeah, uh, hopefully, uh, so, so, hopefully she's yeah she'll she'll be in there. And you know, I just want to say too that what you said about the same sex marriages, even those states individually passed. Uh, uh, their constitutions or amended their constitutions right. to be able to not have to do this. They define marriage as one man and one woman. Those were being yeah. struck down and now they're looking right. at a national thing. And I know we got to go to break, but I, it, it, you're right. This is an important election. If you're listening, I hope you will download this and share it with a friend so they can listen to it. Send them to the website, waynegrudem.com. There's lots of articles on there that would be very helpful to share with people. And let's be salt and light. All right, we're going to be right back. Doug, uh, y- if you have a second, I want to come back to that and say the threat to pack the Supreme Court is changing the rules of the game after we've won. 
Oh, that's that's exactly right. Hey, we're, you're listening to SWAT Radio, Dr. Groom. We're going to be right back, and I want to pick up with where you left off on SWAT Radio. This program has the potential to reach millions of men each week. If you'd like to learn how you can support this unique program that is helping men understand the truth about Jesus through God's Word and how to impact their lives and the lives of others, then go to www.swatradio.com. Then click on the donate link to help SWAT Radio pass on the truth for the next generation. We're so grateful for having people like Tom Neal Truck Company sponsoring SWAT Radio. Tom Neal Truck Company is located at 417 Edgewood Avenue South in Jacksonville, Florida. Tom Neal is a full-service franchise truck dealer for Freightliner, Western Star, Volvo, Isuzu, and Sprinter vans offering new and used truck sales, service, parts, and truck rental, and leasing to the North Florida and South Georgia truck market. More information on Tom Neal Truck Company is located at www.tomneal.com. That's www.tomnehl.com. Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high, best seat in the house tonight. Touchdown in the cold black top. Hold on for the sudden stop Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos All those people going somewhere Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for just one second Give me your eyes so I can see Everything that I keep missing Give me your love for humanity your arms with the broken hearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Step out on a busy street, see a girl in our eyes meet. Does the best to smile at me To hide what's underneath There's a man just to right Black suit and a bright red tie To a shame Hey, welcome back to SWAT Radio. That was Brandon Heath. Give me your eyes. And um, we're talking to Dr. Wayne Groot. I'm sorry that we had to go to that break because you made a statement that I want our listeners to hear again that you, you said what's happened is People are changing the rules after we won, <laughs> and and that's happening. Right. It's happening even now. Louisville, Kentucky, I was sharing with my wife, just passed an anti-conversion ban that parents yeah. and counselors can't try to convert uh, teenagers who are LGBTQ. And that, where did that come from? I mean, that they, they passed an ordinance there in that city. But this is where we go as a country when you have the kind of rulings like the Supreme Court had. So it is very important who's on the court. And, you know, we have not had a conservative majority in a long time, uh, right? <laughs> so, Well, many conservatives have been working and praying since Roe v. Wade in 1973. That's 47 years for a change in the makeup of the Supreme Court, and it's gradually come about under President Trump. Uh, 
Mm. Um, but um, I would say to Christians listening, watch out because you don't know who's coming for you next. Mm. Um, you may think that you're just putting together notes for a private Bible study, like Fire Chief Kevin Cochran did in Atlanta, city of Atlanta. But people found out notes he had distributed for a private Bible study in which he disagreed with homosexuality. And he was fired from his job as chief of, as fire chief in Atlanta. Mm. Or Brandon Ike, the founder and uh, the founder of Firefox, the search engine. Somebody discovered that he had given five hundred dollars, which for a major business executive is not a lot of money, but he'd given five hundred dollars to Proposition Eight in California, which defines marriage as between one man and one woman. When it was made public that he had contributed to that marriage amendment or a proposition. He was forced out of the leadership of his own company because of outcry from the LGBT activists. So whatever business you are in, whatever employment you have, if you're unwilling to affirm the moral validity of homosexuality and probably transgenderism, you, you, your job is potentially in danger because you will be accused of hate speech. And with the separation of powers in the United States as it was supposed to function, um, the Supreme Court would have put a halt to that and said, look, First Amendment rights, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of the press, we cannot squelch people's personal opinions um, based on their view of homosexuality. But if the Biden-Harris, agenda is implemented, well, I should say now, if, if uh, Amy Coney Barrett is confirmed, we'll have a six to three conservative majority from the Supreme Court, and our rights of free speech and freedom of religion will be protected, mm-hmm. because they'll say the Constitution prohibits those restrictions on freedom of speech and freedom of religion. But if uh, Biden and Harris are elected, they will very likely pack the court by adding, and Congress could do this by Senate and House and President agreeing, they could add six justices to the Supreme Court, giving a total of 15 and a 9-6 to liberal majority, Mm -hmm. which is changing the rules of the game after we've won the game through the electoral process in electing senators and presidents who appointed conservative justices to the Supreme Court. Mm. This is the most troublesome threat to the future of our nation that I've seen in a long time, maybe in my lifetime, because it undermines the separation of powers and allows one political faction to gain power over the entire nation, and the protection that's supposed to come from judges who uphold the Constitution will be nullified by justices on the Supreme Court who will not uphold the Constitution as it's originally written, but will find a right to same-sex marriage and transgender uh, orientation or identity and other objectionable things, find a a right to um, silence Christian objections, to uh, perhaps to abortion, certainly to homosexuality, and it'll be very difficult for Christians to maintain employment um, in uh, many, many situations throughout the country. Or as a business owner employing people that you standards that you want i mean you, i mean you, you i mean whether yes, exactly so so all those issues are valid and that's why christians should vote 
So if you're listening, you have a responsibility. November 3rd is a believer. Go in there. And again, just echoing what Dr. Groom has said, vote platform. We're not voting for personalities. We're voting a platform. And go to his website, waynegrudem.com. Click on articles. Uh, you can go to questions also on there. He's got letter to an anti-Trump Christian friend. That's a great read. Uh, he's also got permission for pastors to preach about politics and other articles that are very helpful. Go there, share those, and uh, and and be salt and light. Well, Doctor Grudem, we we have maybe you know seven or eight minutes left, and I just I want to ask you two quick questions. One uh, related because you you were so influential in the the ESV study Bible, which I I love. It's a great translation of the Bible, and I appreciate the work that you and everybody put in on that to, to do that. Um, Thank you. uh, Can you just real quick, people say all the time, well, we should only have one translation. The King James only is the best translation. And that's, you know, it was good for my parents and everything else is an error. (laughs) Could, could you just, I know that's a long, we could do it, take a whole program to talk about that, but why can people trust the ESV? The 12-member translation committee, of which I was a part, had a firm conviction that every word of the Bible in the original Greek and Hebrew text, every word of the Bible was God's word to us. And so we wanted to be sure to translate the meaning of every word into the best possible understandable English today. And um, I remember one time we spent 45 minutes on a discussion over whether a, a little word... D-E, de, in Greek, should be translated but or and in Ephesians. And uh, some people might say, well, 45 minutes over one little conjunction, but we wanted to be sure we got it right. Mm -hmm. And we were careful, and I I think it's been, uh, the Lord has blessed that translation. So thanks. Yeah, it's it's been very helpful. That's what we use here on the air and what we use at SWAT Bible Study. Again, uh, great uh, thanks for that. And one um, one kind of question here uh, at the end too. I know about five years ago you were diagnosed with Parkinson's, and yeah. uh, and and I know that a lot of people, you know that that can be devastating mentally for them. To it, it has different spectrums of how that affects you. First of all, how are you doing with that on, in a physical way, and then how are you doing? How's that impacted you spiritually? Um, physically, I'm thankful. My doctor, who's a very good uh, um, movement specialist, uh, movement disorder specialist and neurologist, uh, she says that every patient is different. Every Parkinson's patient is different. But that my, in my case, the symptoms are progressing very slowly, uh, unusually slowly, and I'm thankful to God for that. I have a little more difficulty typing. My handwriting is not as clear as it used to be got a little tremor that comes on, comes and goes in my left hand, and I have to work at making words clearly, clearly articulated. Mm-hmm. But those are minor inconveniences, Doug. I'm thankful to God that the Parkinson's has not gotten any worse than it is. Mm-hmm. It has. I'm on a moderate dose of medicine, not very strong yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm thankful, thankful for people's prayers. Mm-hmm. How has it affected me uh, spiritually? Well, I wrote a, a, a little article called I have Parkinson's, and I'm at peace. Mm -hmm. It's on my website. Uh, John Piper put it up on his Desiring God website. 
first, and then I've got it on my website, WayneGrudem.com. People can read that. Basically, it's saying my life is in God's hands. I'm 72 years old. I'm thankful for the life that God has given me. If he allows me to live another 20 years, I'll be thankful. If he takes me to himself, I'll be thankful. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and uh, in in the goodness of God, Romans 8.28 says, All things work together for good for those who love God. Mm. They're called according to his purpose. In the five years since I was diagnosed with Parkinson's, I've traveled less and spoken in various places less. Uh, the first couple of years I did almost no out-of-state speaking, canceled it all. But I'm, I'm doing a little bit more, but um, it meant that I was able to get more writing done, including that book, Christian Ethics. Mm. Uh, well, I'm thankful for that. <laughs> so I'm... Yeah, I, I'm, so I'm, anyway... I'm, well, well, thank you, uh, Dr. Grudem. Thank you for joining us today. I just want to close our time by telling people again, they can go to waynegrudem.com. That's W-A-Y-N-E-G-R-U-D-E-M.com. There's lots of articles there. There's videos. There's books there that you can go to. Again, Systematic Theology, Politics in the Bible, and his new book on, or it's not new, it's been around now for almost two years, on ethics uh, Christian ethics really must haves in your library. And just as we go out, Dr. Grudem, I just want to pray, Lord, thank you so much for Dr. Grudem. I thank you for his, uh, his contribution to, uh, Christianity and the, the body of Christ, uh, in the way you've used him. I pray for his health. I pray for his wife, Margaret, for their family, that you would continue to bless him and use him for your kingdom. And Lord, I pray for our country, for our leaders. Let us do our role as a believer, Lord. Give us strength to make the right choice next month. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Dr. Grudem. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, if you've been listening to uh, just tuning in, we're SWAT Radio. You can listen to this or any past program by going to www.swatradio.com. We will put it out there on Facebook and on Twitter. Thank you so much, Dr. Grudem. I pray you have a great weekend and uh, continue doing all you do for the kingdom, sir. Thank you, Doug. Good to talk with you. If you missed a SWAT radio broadcast this week and would like to hear any show in its entirety, then go to SWATradio.com. Click on Past Shows, where you can listen to the broadcast. Also, if you're looking for a band of brothers that gather around God's Word to be a part of, then go to SWATradio.com and email one of our hosts, and they can get you plugged in to one of the local SWAT Bible studies. Tune in next time to explore how SWAT Radio is strengthening spiritual